Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church today. I'm so grateful that you're with us. Uh, but before we dive into the first part of Shatterproof, let me first look at that camera and welcome everybody who's watching online right now. Um, last week, we started and began our brand new online church experience. Absolutely blown away by how many people are connecting with us live but also throughout the week. I mean, we live in a Netflix world, right? So um, at your convenience, sometime throughout the week, I know you're gonna be joining us. And so church, how about it? Would you welcome your church family on the other side of that camera right now? Yeah, we love you guys. We're grateful you're along for the ride, part of our church. Um, and if this is your first time, fill out that online connection card. And if you're first time here in the room today, uh, man, you picked a perfect weekend to be with us. I never take it for granted that you would take time out of your weekend to be with us. And also for you, fill out that online connection card. Stop at the new here card out in the back. We'd love to give you a gift to say thanks for being our guest. And as always, um, our prayer is that your first time, it won't be your last time. And before we dive into Shatterproof, and I'm really excited about this series, um, let me just remind you, you just heard Pastor Erica tell you this, but family, parents, um, VBS fall break starts tonight. And our, our VBS throughout the fall was absolutely, or in the summer was absolutely amazing. And our family team got together. So what can we do to minister to families during fall break? Because some of your travel plans have changed. So they thought, hey, let's do VBS. Well, not the same VBS, but let's do another VBS for fall break. And this time we're gonna open it up so your kids can come for one night um, for a live VBS full experience. And so there is still time to register. There's still time to get involved. And as always, with everything we do at this church, this event just isn't for us. This is a perfect event. Let me look in the camera and tell you, this is a perfect event for you to invite a friend to come and be um, a part of this with you. Your kids are going to love it. In fact, families, today, if you're watching online, this is why I brought this up here, this box, and I'm just curious, I literally have no idea what's in here, but I know stuff is in here. Um, yeah, so your kids are gonna get a t-shirt, all their crafts, everything that they will need for VBS. For any reason, your kids just want a t-shirt. And so come pick up a box, register, pick it up at your night. It's gonna be an amazing, an amazing event. And just because we talk about this all the time, everything Trinity Church is on that app. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, download it right now. Groups, growth track, that begins in the second service, 11 o'clock, some of you are gonna be going through that. Um, but most importantly, for the next 30 minutes, what you're gonna care about is your sermon notes can be downloaded right there on, on that app. And I would encourage you today to follow along with me. You guys ready for this? I know it's fall break, but everybody ready today? I know the Cardinals lost last week, but is everybody ready today? Everybody have your sermon notes out? Okay, let's dive into this series, Shatterproof. And here's our theme verse. We're gonna look at it throughout the entire series. But this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. Paul says, we are pressed on every side by troubles. But, here's the really good news, but we're not crushed. I mean, this just sounds like the culture that we're living in today. We are surrounded by troubles, but as people of faith, we're not crushed. We are perplexed, meaning like we don't really understand everything that's happening, but we're not driven to despair. He continues, he says, we are hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. 
And here's our theme song for this series. We get knocked down, but we get up again. Ain't nothing gonna keep me down. We get knocked down. I can't believe I just did that. But we are not destroyed. But I want you to remember that verse every time you hear that song. And Paul is telling, hey, I'm shatterproof. And if anybody has the right to write this book, it's Paul, who spent time in prison, who was shipwrecked, who was beaten and flogged for his faith. He comes to a point and says, even though like, you may think it's bad, you don't understand everything, like God has never abandoned you. Even though we get knocked down, we can get back up again. Amen. And wouldn't it be something, wouldn't it be something, church, throughout this series, that regardless of what would happen to you, regardless of an illness, a financial situation, regardless of anything that comes your way, that you can have this same kind of faith and you can say, I am shatterproof and I just believe through the power of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and the reliance upon Jesus that we can walk out of this series in eight weeks and we can say that no matter what happens that we are shatterproof. Now Paul is writing, this is 2 Corinthians, this series is based off of the book 2 Corinthians. And if you're new to faith, you're wondering, like if you open up your Bible and it says 2 Corinthians, like that's not a joke. It's not like two men or two Corinthians are walking into a bar. That's just not the idea. It's literally like this is the second book that Paul has written. Christians, we just claim it's 2 Corinthians, but it shows up in your Bible as 2 Corinthians. And the people who put the Bible together made it really simple for us. This is the second book that Paul has written and Paul talks a lot about relevant, relevant issues because Corinth is much like our situation today. So I'm, I'm gonna show you a picture just where, where Corinth kind of is. This is a really, um, it, it's modern day Greece, but Corinth is an influential city. Very wealthy, very influential. And the reason why it's wealthy and influential is because it is located on two ports, both a, a modern port or a port in ancient day for Asia and also for Rome. And by ancient standards, Corinth is very large, about 90,000. Very influential, very wealthy. In fact, if people were to say, like you were to ask a person in Corinth, hey, tell me about your home, they would probably say, um, it's, we're wealthy and we're very worldly. That's probably what you would get. We're wealthy and we're worldly. And the reality is because of how popular all the foreigners, all the traffic, a lot of the worldliness has crept itself into the church. And that's what Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians. Paul hits all kinds of subjects. He talks about their wealth, saying God has blessed you so you can bless other people. And he kind of condemns them a little bit and says, you have all this money, but you ain't giving it. The church in Macedonia has hardly anything that you have and they're out giving you. May it not be so. Paul addresses contentment and wealth and all those things. Paul addresses a lot of the worldly issues. There was a guy that was sleeping with his stepmom and Paul addresses that issue in 1 Corinthians. And he says, not only to them, but he also looks at the church and says, why'd you guys put up with this? Like, shame on you. Paul deals with all kinds of issues. Paul tells the, the Corinthian church, like you're getting drunk on communion. Like what is wrong with you? I mean, Paul deals with all kinds of issues, much like the issues that we're dealing with today, which is why I love the Bible. I love the Bible because it's so relevant to what we're dealing with. If anybody tells you, oh, the Bible's not relevant, it's just an ancient book, I would dare say they probably haven't read the Bible. The Bible deals with everything that we're dealing with today. Contentment, joy, divorce, debt, 
wealth, you name it, it deals with it. How to be a parent, how, marriage, like it deals with everything. That's one of the reasons why I love the Bible, why I love preaching through it. And this is Second Corinthians. I told you three years ago that I'm gonna preach through uh, three, two or three books of the Bible every year. I'm mostly a topical um, communicator, but two or three times a year, I like to dive deep into a book and pull out the hidden gems and the richness of God's word. Um, in the spring, we looked in 1 Samuel, we looked at the life of David, and today, for the next eight weeks, we're gonna look at 2 Corinthians. Why? Because it's so relevant. It's gonna deal with everything that we're dealing with today. Another thing that I love about the Bible when you read it, when you read 2 Corinthians, it, it just has like the ring of real life to it. It has real places, real people, real situations. It, and it's what separates the Bible from really every other uh, religious text or religious book out there. It has the ring of real life. For instance, Muhammad received, supposedly received his vision alone in a cave. Joseph Smith, he was alone, supposedly received his vision when he was staring um, at crystals in a hat. He was alone and received his vision. Um, Buddha was alone under a tree when he received his vision and wrote his manuscript and his text. What separates the Bible is the Bible was written by 40 authors with several revelations from the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit on two different continents over thousands of years, still with one singular focus and purpose, and that's to point people to Jesus. And as they do that, it just has the ring of real life. Real people, real places, it's historically accurate. It just feels like you're, it relates to you and to me. Paul finishes 1 Corinthians, and this is what he says. When Timothy, so just real people, comes, see that you put him at ease. Like, calm him down. I'll visit you after passing through Macedonia, and perhaps I'll even spend the winter. Priscilla and Aquila, together with the church in their house, send you their, their greetings. I just love the ring of real life. We're gonna learn a lot about our real life through this book, 2 Corinthians. And now Paul finishes 1 Corinthians and then switches gears. And you would think, right, as Paul, the, one of the greatest preachers ever, this amazing missionary, that when he would write a letter that people would just like, ding, 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 like, I get it. Like, Paul's amazing and we're gonna change our ways. And you would think that the situation is all good, but the reality is the situation worsens in 2 Corinthians. Not only are they still dealing with a bunch of sin issues, now false teachers have crept into the scene. And these false teachers are now questioning if Paul was really an apostle. And they're actually telling people, um, if you're not wealthy and you're not healthy, that you're not from God. That if you're suffering in any way, shape, or form, like that's a sign of God's disapproval on your life. Like you're not, like you're not a Christian. And so Paul has to address those issues of health and wealth and all, all this stuff. It has to address the issues of suffering, and he has to defend his apostleship. The false teachers are standing up and saying, if you're not healthy and wealthy, like, God's not with you. And I hate to tell you this, but that is still happening today. There is still some theology and preachers out there that will look at you and tell you that God wants you healthy and God wants you wealthy. And if you're not that way, there's something wrong with you. And maybe you've come across that. Maybe that's been your church experience. And maybe like you're going through something right now, some suffering, some pain, 
And maybe you're asking the question that I think a lot of the Corinthians were asking. And they're saying, hey, God, what did I do to deserve this? Like, I thought you loved me. I thought that you were for me. And, and maybe you're even questioning because of the situation that you're in. Like, man, does God love me? Does God forgive me? Does God really have a great plan and a purpose for my life? Yes, does. And I want you to know this. I write this in your notes. That suffering is not a sign of God's disapproval. It's not a sign of God's disapproval. I want to tell you that God has always said and will always say yes to you. That God does love you. That he does have a great plan for your life. And even though you're going through difficulty right now and you are suffering just like the people in 2 Corinthians, that God is for you and he will always say yes. I think this is the right date, but Amanda will correct me if I'm wrong. September 29, 2006, is the day that I asked Amanda to marry me. Now, it was a unique situation, is that right? She doesn't know. Well, there, there you go. <laughs> I'm the sentimental one in the relationship, I guess. I think that's the date. At least I hope it is. This whole illustration is riding upon this day. I'm kidding, it's not. But it was, it was September 26, 2006, that I asked Amanda to marry me. And we had a unique relationship in the fact that we were long distance. We met in college in Jacksonville, Florida. Of all places, you ready for this? A college named Trinity Baptist College. So we met. And I was, I was a senior, she was a freshman. You know, you know what's up, gentlemen. Like, I was a senior, she was a freshman. I was on my way to grad school to go to seminary in Dallas, Texas. After we met, she, went, she wanted to move back to Rhode Island to finish her undergrad degree. So we did long distance for three and a half years. It's a crazy time. But we knew right away. Like I knew like, she's the one for me. And I think she knew right away too, like I was the one for her. About two years of long distance, it, I just got fed up. Like I'm going to marry this girl and I finally saved enough money and I'm gonna go put, this, put a ring on her finger, right? And I'm gonna claim like she is mine so she can start the planning process because as soon as I'm done with seminary and as soon as you're done with undergrad, like we are getting married. But I wanted to surprise her. I wanted this to be a moment that she would remember for the rest of her, the rest of her life. And being in Dallas and she was in Rhode Island, like we had our trips planned accordingly so she could take time off of work and I could take time off of work, but I wanted to fly in under the radar just to surprise her. And I was so nervous. I asked her mom and dad for permission, all that stuff. And then I looked at her mom and I said, Gail, you're gonna have to help me plan this. Like, I'll fly in, but I need you to go get all these candles and all these roses, and I need you to order food from our favorite sushi place. And I want this to be like a night that she will never forget, and I need you to set it all up. So I fly in at six. Amanda gets off work, I think, at nine. She worked at CVS as a pharmacy technician. And I knew, like, her schedule and all that. I knew when she would come in. And then I looked at Gail and Mike, and I say, now, the house is set up. Like, get out. Like, out you go. You can't be here for this. And the house was amazing. Candles everywhere, roses everywhere, music playing, like a little bistro table with our favorite sushi place in Rhode Island. It was just spectacular. And I hear the car pull into the driveway and my heart, just nervous as could be. And the garage door opens and I hear Amanda walk up into the garage and she opens the door in the kitchen and she puts her keys on the kitchen counter and I hear this, What's happening? Oh my goodness, what's happening? Total surprise. 
And I couldn't see her from where I was standing, but obviously the shadow from all the candles, I mean, she knew something was about to go down. And she walks in and there I am in the middle of this amazing moment. You get the picture, right? And my heart's beating and I'm so nervous and I'm sweating and, and I make the speech of my life. All of you would be proud. I can't tell you what it is, but you would be proud of this amazing speech. And I get down on one knee and tears are falling from my face and tears are, tears were not falling from her face, but they're falling from my face. And I'm like, this is gonna be, like we're gonna build this amazing life and will you marry me? She says, yes, and I whip out the ring and I put it on her finger and we kiss and it's the most amazing story that you're ever gonna hear. But imagine, imagine just for a moment if I went through all of that and she would have said no. Could you imagine? No, I'm, no, no, sorry. Like, no, no thanks. Now, here's the thing, I was so nervous. I was so nervous and I knew, I knew she was gonna say yes to me. There was not a doubt in my mind that she was gonna say yes to me. She's been dropping subtle hints for months. Like a hint like, when are you gonna marry me? Like, when, when are you gonna ask? Like, I literally said, hey, Amanda, um, what, what do you, like, give me an idea of a ring that you would like. She literally goes into her purse, takes out a folded, like, picture from a magazine and says, this is what I want. And I said, this is $25,000. I'm a seminary student. Like, <laughs> one day, like, she was dropping hints like she was gonna say yes. Like, I knew it, but I was still so nervous. But I knew she was going to say yes. Paul actually talks about this because you may be wondering, like, is God gonna say yes to me? I'm going through all this pain, all this suffering. Is God gonna say yes to me? Paul actually looks at the Corinthian church and says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. That you don't have to wonder today if God loves you. You don't have to wonder today if God is for you. You don't have to wonder today if God has a great plan and purpose for your life. Even in your suffering and in your pain, and we all go through it, you can walk out of the doors of this church this morning and you can know that God is for you, that he does love you. Yes, he will forgive you. Yes, and yes, he has a great plan and purpose for your life. Now you're gonna ask the question, right? Like, well, then why bother? If the answer is yes, why bother? Jared, it would have been so much easier for you to send Amanda a text and say, hey, you wanna get married? Like, I'm ready when you are. Like, let's do it. Well, the reason why is because I love her. The reason why I got on that plane, I got everything together, had this amazing night is because I love her. That was my response to her. I knew she was gonna say yes to me, but I wanted this to be an amazing moment in church. We know that God has said yes to us. And we don't come to church, we don't give, we don't serve to twist his arm into saying yes to us. No, we give, we serve in response to his love and for him saying yes in advance for you and for me. But I think sometimes we just forget all of this and this is why Paul is writing the book is because some of us go through suffering and we go through pain and we go through difficulty. And it's so easy for us in those moments to forget that God has already in advance said yes to us. 
It's easy, right, in the moments of pain to be like, because we, we, we question, to say, God, like, why? Why would you allow this to happen to me? God, why would you allow, like, my husband to treat me this way? God, I've been serving you. I've been, like, why would you allow these things to happen to me? God, why would you take my, my mom and dad at such a young, when I was such a young boy? Like, why, why would you, why, 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 why? And we ask these wise questions and we put ourselves in a hole. And Paul is gonna tell us, like, take your focus off of the why. And look what he says here. Paul says, praise be to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, he's the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort. Paul is not asking the why question. And here's what I want you to write down. When you know the who, the why doesn't matter as much. When you're focused on God and what he's done for us, even though we go through pain and even though we go through suffering and difficulty, just like the people in Corinth, when our focus is off of ourselves and it's put upon God, like, the why just doesn't matter. We're knowing that God is using this for our good and for our benefit because he's already said yes to us. Then Paul continues, you ready for this? this is, so this is the who. Now he just continues in the next verse. So this God of comfort, he comforts us in all of our troubles. And here's the henna clause. Here's what we talked about last week. The purpose behind that statement is so that, you wanna know why? He's comforting you. Like, I don't know why you went through that divorce, but I, I know why God comforted you through that. I, I don't know why you lost your job, but I know why God comforted you through that moment. I don't know why your kid died. I, I don't know. I don't have the answers for that. We're never gonna have the answers for that. But I know why God comforted you in that moment. And wanna know why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. Here's, here's what Paul's trying to tell the church. Because you're gonna have trouble, you're gonna have difficulty. Take the focus off of yourself. You, you can't hold it in. When these moments come, know that your greatest misery can become your greatest ministry. That while you go through this difficulty, it actually is setting you up for incredible ministry. I mean, who better to help a veteran coming home from war than a veteran who's come home from war? Who better to help somebody going through a messy divorce than somebody who's gone through a messy divorce? Who better to help somebody who's in debt, who's stuck in a financial crisis than someone who's been in that situation, gone through financial peace, and is now on the other side of it? Who better? I'm telling you, church, your greatest misery can become your greatest ministry. You have to believe this with everything about you. And I, I, and I don't know why this is, but there's, there's a church culture, and I wouldn't say so much here, but maybe you're, you're joining us for the first time and you're believing a lie and you think, no, 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 my pain has disqualified me. Like my past won't allow me to serve and administer to other people. And I wanna tell you, I'm looking at that camera and I wanna tell you, that is not true at this church. That all of us have pain, all of us have struggle. Like we're, then we'd all be disqualified. As I said last week, we don't serve a cancel culture God. 
that he has forgiven our sin. He has set us up and he's allowing us, inviting us into the amazing story of redemption. Church, our greatest pain does not disqualify you. I believe the opposite. It actually sets you up for incredible ministry. We, we, we teach this in the growth track, a four-week process that will, yeah, you'll learn how to become a member and do all the churchy things, like if, you, if you're into that, but really the, the purpose of our growth track, like the, this idea is step two and, or three and four, like discover your design, like understand your purpose so that you can make a difference. No matter how old you are, how young you are, what your history is, your background, we believe that God has a specific plan and a purpose for your life. You have to open up your heart for that. Some of you have disqualified yourself. No, my pain, it's so, it's so raw. And pastor, I'm not even in a good place. Serve your way out of it. Don't disqualify yourself for ministry. So here's, here's something I really, this is so simple. I want you to do this. In your notes is this diagram. Pain in a person. This week, and maybe even right now, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. I want you to go through an exercise and I want you just to write down some of the most painful experiences of your life. I go, I wonder what that would be. Like, be honest about it, but just, hey, a divorce, um, infertility, a miscarriage, like a, a troubled son or daughter. Hey, we have a special needs kid. Whatever it is, I want you just to write down some of the pain that you're experiencing. And on the flip side, I want you to write the name of a person that the Lord would bring to mind who may be going through something very similar. Ministry is birthed in this moment. You're waiting for a program or for the pastor to tell you what to do. I'm just telling you, like if you're honest about like what you've gone through, you can find people who are going through it or have gone through it. I'm telling you, ministry is birthed in this moment. Do not allow your pain to disqualify you. Why? God has comforted us. He's already said yes to us. It's not, your suffering, your pain is not a sign of God's disapproval. He's already, he, he's gone first. He said yes to you now. Will you say yes to him? And maybe you said yes to him. Maybe you've given him your life, but, but maybe you haven't fully gone in, right? You haven't said, yeah, God, like, I'm in, but I'm not gonna forgive the person that I know you're asking me to forgive. Like, I'm not gonna do that. But I'm here. Or you'll say, yeah, God, like, I'm in, but yeah, I'll go anywhere, but, but not there. <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm not going to Arizona when it's 118 degrees every day for five months in a row. Like, I'm not doing that. Or whatever your story is, right? Like, I will say yes to you, but it comes with restrictions. Church, you gotta know, like, when your ministry, you, you, no restrictions. You go, God has already gone in for you. Will you go in and will you, will you allow your pain to become your greatest ministry? Paul continues. This is where it gets fun. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 9, indeed, we have received the, the sentence of death. That's because of our sin. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. And so maybe some of you, like you're, you're still right here. Like you're still trying to keep it all. Like I've got it controlled and it's just this little manipulation that you're playing out. I'm telling you, you gotta break that down. You cannot rely upon yourself in these moments. You gotta rely upon God who raises the dead. We believe here that God can raise anything that's dead and dying in your life. Like right now, he can do that. 
Nothing is too far gone. Even, we've all received the sentence of death. And you know, what, what, is, what, is, what is Paul talking about? He goes, next verse. Paul says this, he has delivered us from such deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope. Ready? I love the, the, the definitive language. He will continue to deliver us. He has, he will, and he will continue to deliver us. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the good news of Jesus, that because of what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross, that you can handle the suffering, you can handle the pain, and here's the really good news, and this is why you came to church today, because your suffering will not last forever. It will not. There is an end to this. There's an end to those tears. There's an end to that pain. There's an end to waking up every morning feeling the same way that you are feeling. There is an end to this. Paul continues. For we share, so just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And here's where it gets fun. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. So I know it's painful, I know you're going through it. Those false teachers don't know what they're talking about. Christians, you're gonna go through difficulty. It's gonna be hard. But all of that, all, like, all that's been fulfilled in Him with a resounding yes. All the promises are yes and amen. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Church, you gotta believe this. If we're gonna li live a shatter-proof life, we're gonna have to believe that the suffering that we go through is not a sign of God's disapproval. It's not. And when you know the who, Right? The why won't matter as much. You, you have to believe that. And you're gonna have to really believe. If you're gonna make it through these times, you're gonna have to believe that your misery, your greatest misery is actually setting you up for great ministry. As a follower of Jesus, the really good news is, is your pain, your suffering will not last forever. Does God love you? Yes. Does he have a great plan and purpose for your life? Yes. Will God forgive you? Yes. Will we live forever? Yes. Will there be an end to the suffering that we're experiencing on this earth? All of God's promises are yes and amen. Come on church, right where you are, bow your head and close your eyes. Some of you, you just needed to hear the word of God preached over your life today. You just needed to be reminded that there will be an end to the pain that you are experiencing. Some of you, you walked in the room with a heavy burden. And maybe you see no way out of it. God has already said yes to you. I invite you to say yes fully to him. There is purpose in your pain. He will not waste it. And it will not last forever. Some of you today, you just need to receive the word of the Lord. Well, let it minister to your heart today. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this moment. 
Thank you for this incredible book that we're going to walk through. Knowing that we can live a shatterproof life. And we can make it. Thank you for what you're going to do. Now, some of you today, you're in the room and you would just admit, you would say, Jared, I am so far from God. I have never gone all in. I've never said yes to him. Well, today can be your day. We believe here that God can raise anything that's dead or dying in your life. And maybe you would say, Pastor, I am so far from God. Like everything is dead in my life, everything. But today you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you and it's not a voice of condemnation, it's a voice of kindness. It's conviction. And some of you today, you know you need to give your heart and your life to God. We're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna make you come down front, make you give a speech. We're not gonna make you join this church. But in the quietness of this moment, I simply wanna pray for you. And maybe you're online right now and may the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And you know today, you need to give your heart to God. If that's you, you're in the room right now, right where you are, just say, Pastor, would you pray for me? And would you slip up your hand just so I can acknowledge it just for a moment, high enough for me to see it, long enough for me to recognize it. Yeah, God bless you. Somebody else would say, Pastor, God bless you. You, way to go. So proud of you. So right in the moment, just say this prayer. And online, like, click that box right now and just pray this prayer. Just say, Father, today, I, I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance. But today, as simply as I know how, I give my life to you. Say, come live inside of me. Change me. Make me the person you long for me to be. The Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person praying that prayer. Some are praying that prayer today for the very first time. Others, it's a recommitment prayer. Lord, today we simply say, thank you. Thank you for saving people. And thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. We ask all these things in your precious, in your holy name, in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Come on, church, celebrate with me those who just said yes to Jesus right now. Yeah, it's awesome. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer in the room or you're online, hey, take a moment and check the box. Just let us know of your decision on the connection card. Uh, we simply are gonna send you a follow-up email giving you some very clear next steps of what to do with your faith in Jesus. And as always, uh, we're never gonna take advantage of that information. We're not gonna abuse it. Uh, we simply wanna just send you some clear next steps. And the best next step, everybody, is the growth track. I talked about that already. Um, the growth track will happen during the 11 o'clock service. And so you can stick around. Your kids can stay in family ministry. Um, it's a different, actually a different program for the second service. So we'd love for you to be able to do that, go through right now. Like you can, even if you didn't register, we can social distance you and set you apart. Like you're fine. We'd love for you to do this. Today is step one, week one, where you're gonna learn to become a member. And church, we're gonna continue right now to worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Aren't you excited about that? Yeah. <laughs> However you give, online, boxes in the back, through the church app, or you're still old school and you're sending it in the mail. However you're doing that, thank you for your amazing and your continued generosity. Now next week, you don't wanna miss it. Next week, we're gonna talk about, continue the series of how you can stay strong in some persecution in your life. I think it's gonna be so applicable to what we're dealing with today. So invite a friend, let them know about this series and we're, gonna see, we're excited to see what God is going to do. And don't forget, VBS, 
It's gonna be an amazing few days. Let me pray over you. Stay seated. Our ushers will come and dismiss you row by row in just a few moments. God, thank you for these amazing people. Thank you for what you're doing in their lives. And I do pray, God, that the people of Jesus, that we'll take, word, we'll take the words of Jesus and we'll apply them to our life and we'll live them out, that we'll live the shatter-proof life. Thanks for what you're doing. And I pray that we'll have the best Sunday afternoon that we've ever had. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, I love you. See you next weekend.